0: This is our third week of Spooktober, and today we're not going to do a scary movie, actually. We're going to talk about James Bond, because uh, if you guys remember, we did an episode a long time ago at the beginning of quarantine where we talked about mostly movie delays, and this one was one that, like, we were pretty broken up about this one. It was originally supposed to come out in April of last year. If you're listening to this far in the future, I mean, April of 2020 but uh, instead it came out in October of 2021. So we just went and saw it and we it's, it's fresh on our minds. We got fresh thoughts about it and surprisingly few spoilers. We didn't even put a spoiler warning in this. Cause like we talk a lot about, you know, vaguely about sort of what happens in the movie, but like, I don't think there ever was a, a, requ- a need for spoiler for a spoiler warning in here. Um, we do go through a lot of the movies, so, you know, if you want to go into, if you want to go into No Time to Die Blind, probably do that now, and if you don't, uh, here is a song that you would hear if you went to see No Time to Die. This is No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. talk about something very very special okay pierre there's a there's a story that like uh it's been it's been kind of on my mind for a bit i've been thinking about this a little more and i'm just going to describe this to you and i want you to tell me what movie uh or whatever else what story it is i'm describing okay sure okay so in a world That might be the extremely near future, or maybe it's just the present, but with like very specific, highly advanced types of weapons. Like, mostly everything is the same. We still got guns, we still got knives, all that stuff, but like in one or two specific areas, weaponry is extremely highly advanced, though probably only at like the covert level, whatever. Anyway, uh, in this world, an aging spy is brought out of retirement by the organization he once worked for. It turns out someone is assassinating people based on their dna probably within that spy organization hard to say for sure mm. and there's reason to believe that he might be up on that but he might be coming up on that list so what he does is he he comes back in and with the help of an old flame like his old girlfriend and some other old friends like from previous incarnations of uh, from previous episodes basically the spy is going to set out on one last mission that could determine the fate of the whole agency, possibly even the world, and very possibly even his own future. What, what am I describing?
1: I want to say the movie we just watched, No Time to Metal Die. Metal Gear
0: Solid 4, Never Guns mind. of the Patriots.
1: <laughs> Wait, that was that a was movie? Plot.
0: No, that that's was a, a video, video game. game. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the plot of Metal Gear Solid 4. Anyway, I just wanted to get that off my mind. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> remember, remember when we did our quarantine episode, like probably about a year and a half ago now. I remember, um we pretty much just talked about like the big movies that we were excited for that had then been delayed. And yeah. I know that my, my big one that I was excited for was Fast Nine. Like that that I, I went on like a whole probably twenty minute tangent about the Fast and the Furious movies in that episode alone. You were
1: very excited for that.
0: Yeah. I I was. I was that's when I started taking quarantine seriously, is when I heard Fast <laughs> Nine got delayed. I was I was upset. Yeah. But I remember that like I don't know if your reaction was as visceral, but it was equally intense for uh for No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie.
1: Yeah, I, I was very sad because, uh, um, I really, I'm excited for. I was excited for this director, Kerry Fukunaga, to to see him. I guess in the hands of a big blockbuster movie. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I'm I'm kind of, I guess, I'm kind of a fan of the James Bond franchise. I don't think it's amazing or anything, but it's it's shown some cool stuff. Um, so, yeah. I know, like
0: from conversations we've had, it sounds like you're a pretty I don't know about big fan but you're definitely a fan of the last couple like the Daniel Craig bonds.
1: I I remember I really like Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Skyfall. I thought Skyfall was solid. I just I was really excited for Spectre. Like really really excited and I was really really let down. <laughs> I feel like that movie had a lot going on for it. Um it had like an amazing or I mean it, it was coming off Skyfall. It had a but, oh it had um the guy that who, who's what's his name i love christoph, him. Waltz. christoph waltz who he was like it was he was like made to be a bond villain Had mm-hmm. dave, dave bautista's the muscle which was great um the cinematography cinematographer Hoyt van Hoytema, who is probably oh, my favorite cinematographer yeah. right now he's really really good he was on that movie um and uh it it was very much a letdown so i did not like it but yeah
0: that's that's a shame because I have not seen Spectre as of this recording. By the time this comes out, maybe that will have changed. But like um from the context clues that I can get about Spectre, like the the couple of trailers I've seen and having watched this movie and sort of reasoning out what must have happened in Spectre, mm. Spectre looks like it has a lot of story potential. It's really sad to hear every person that I've ever Talk to that's seen it say it's not bad, good which is yeah. a, which is a real shame
1: yeah i yeah i was kind of speechless after honestly so um but i was very happy to hear that we were i guess getting one more last bond movie with daniel craig
0: mm-hmm. um
1: because specter was kind of a lackluster finale uh with carrie fukunaga and this is technically this is bond 25 right I think so 25th movie or yeah 25th movie it should be not definitely not the 25th anniversary it's been a long time <laughs> so,
0: yeah it is the 25th movie
1: yes yeah uh with carrie fukunaga i i was excited to see like anna de Armas in it and i mean malik's pretty good uh i mean christoph waltz was back in it so like it, it had a lot of stuff going for it i guess or it has a lot of stuff yeah. going for it
0: it, this is like, it's insane to see everybody that's on this. Cause like we got Leah Seydoux, we've got Ben Wisha, which Ben right ben and Ralph Fiennes have been there since like the last couple anyway. Yeah. Um, but then there's Jeffrey Wright, who's someone that I definitely didn't expect. Oh, I guess yeah. he's returning from Casino Royale. Christoph Waltz, obviously. Rory Kinnear, who I guess has probably been in the last couple, but I didn't realize that cause I didn't really know who he was until... Two Or three years ago, mm. <laughs> anyway. Apparently, it's also written by Phoebe Waller Bridge, which is strange.
1: It seemed like I think she just did some touch ups, honestly. I don't know if she, yeah, had much effect on like the, the actual story, but yeah,
0: it's, it's a screenplay by four people, and she's the last credited, so mm. like I, I don't know how much she actually did on it, but she's mm. there,
1: yeah, yeah, she's been rising up a lot, like what she did, Fleabag which apparently is yeah. an amazing TV show. I don't know what else she's done, but uh, yeah. Uh, so that's, so yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of stuff going for this. And uh, I don't know what, what did you, or do we want to talk about the plot a bit?
0: Well, I mean, let's, let's kind of talk about the story of this first. And by the story, I don't mean the plot. I mean, like this movie was done and ready to come out April of last year,
1: mm.
0: but like, Obviously, it's been a year and a half since since then, and it only just came out. We literally left the theater on the preview day uh, probably an hour and a half ago. Maybe more than that, but still, like, not very long ago.
1: Yeah, after about, what, 16 months of waiting.
0: Yeah. No, probably so more than like, 18 months. The delays on this were crazy. Um, yeah, I guess I think you had some stuff you wanted to say about the delays?
1: Ah, uh, well, just thought I was really sad about it. I don't know. I mean, there were so many, because I think this movie might have been slated for early, twenty, late 2019, I think, like November 2019. Uh,
0: so it was, I think it, The I think the first, I know that before quarantine, it was supposed to come out April 2020. So had yeah. it already been delayed by then?
1: Well, there was... Because first of all, they were—I think they were yeah. struggling for a yeah. while no, to find a director. Um, initially, Danny Boyle was slated to to direct this movie, and then I think mm-hmm. he left. Uh, pretty I like they, I think they did a lot of pre-production, and then he still left. Um, so that was a big delay, and then they brought on Carrie Fukunaga, I believe, right?
0: Yes. Um,
1: but then while they were filming, I think Daniel Craig sprained his ankle or something, so that was like another month of delay, sort of uh and then it then it finally yeah it was initially announced for august 2019 and uh and then it was eventually delayed till april 2020 and then uh and then covid happened right i think yeah it was literally a week later if, if covid happened a week later this movie might have come out mm-hmm. um but yeah so it and I guess, like been 18 months in post-production no like 24 uh... months
0: To some degree, it's probably better that for this movie that COVID happened when it did, because if it, because like the movies that were in theaters when COVID came out, I don't think they did particularly well in theaters.
1: They like Trolls Two
0: did okay, but Trolls Two did okay because it was like also immediately on VOD, and that's where it really cleaned up.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess also like. Well it's hard to tell too because a lot of the movies that were in theaters were kind of bombing it. Like they weren't huge movies, right? Like mm-hmm. there was Birds of Prey, but that came out and already kinda of bombed. So like the COVID kind and of gave on- it an excuse, but like it already yeah. was not gonna make money.
0: Onward was doing okay, but like it wasn't not, it wasn't doing gangbusters.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like a the usual Pixar performance. So anyway, so yeah, this movie has been a long time coming. Mm -hmm. uh especially i feel kind of bad for daniel craig because i i feel like he just wanted to get this over with but then he had to wait he had i think he had probably had to do like two or three press tours for this
0: yeah Um, because i know he's actively on one right now
1: but i think he's
0: done two or three yeah he's done a couple already
1: yeah i mean like there's worse ways to get paid but i mean he's sure I think he wanted to move on and he had to wait a little longer than he, he wanted to, I guess.
0: Well, I also think he's wanted to move on for a while because he's very good at Bond and he seems to enjoy Bond. But like since Quantum of Solace, he, he, he said before every Bond movie, this will be my last at least once. I don't know how many times he's said it and maintained that throughout his press tour. But like this is this is the first one where he's actually maintained, yes, this will be my last Bond movie. But I know it's at least come up every time since Quantum of Solace.
1: Yeah. Um, And it it has made him a lot of money (laughs) as a result. I'm reading here that he was offered, what, $150 million to do two more Bond movies in 2016 or something like that. Oh, wow. That's like like Robert Downey Jr. money in The Avengers. But like...
0: Well, and also like... Similar to Robert Downey Jr., this basically made his career, or at least as it is currently. Because I don't know what I don't even know what Daniel Craig did before Bond.
1: Not not enough like, to make that much money. <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> he's I mean yeah, he's, I, I remember him in Logan Lucky, as he was amazing. Logan, Logan Lucky, Lucky. was post,
0: that was post Bond though.
1: No, yeah, no. I'm just saying that was the only that and Knives Out are the only two roles I know him other than James Bond. And these, those aren't roles that are moneymaker roles, you know. So
0: that's um, not true for Knives Out. Knives
1: Out Well now is you're a, right, yeah.
0: That one weirdly makes lots of money.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um so yeah, this is potentially the last installment for Daniel Craig. Um
0: I'm gonna say realistically, it probably is.
1: Yeah, he looked pretty old in this movie. I mean he's he's been looking and- old for a while, but
0: well, and also like unlike in most James Bond movies, a key element of the plot of this movie is that he's old.
1: And well that's I mean at that's least like,
0: old at least retired.
1: We were talking about this before, but like Skyfall, which was like from nine years ago, <laughs> had a a subplot where Daniel Craig was or James Bond was having a tough time getting back into the swing of things because of his age. Mm-hmm. And now he is like nearly 10 years older in this movie and it's kind of the same thing uh but yeah he's 10 years older so i don't know it's it's kind of funny how that turned out um mm-hmm. but yeah this i guess this movie didn't focus on his age too much right Boom.
0: no it, it comes up and like he's it's it's very out it's very like central to his character <laughs> yeah. that he is one of the older characters but like it's not like people are walking around the corner and being like, "Oh, whoa, there, old man!" all yeah, the time, or anything like that. He's still
1: relatively well. I mean, maybe the one there's a replacement, or there's another agent in this movie. I guess I can say that. That kind of mm-hmm. makes some old jokes, I guess, but it wasn't that bad. Um, I don't. Know, what, what do you? I had a really hard time understanding the plot of this movie. Do you want? Are you able to give us a decent outline of what happened? <laughs>
0: I'm going to be honest, the outline I gave earlier, that was the outline of Metal Gear Solid 4, but it's not far off from there this movie.
1: Somewhere. Yeah.
0: Um so basically this is this movie it takes place immediately after Spectre or at least it starts immediately after Spectre. And like James Bond is essentially retired from MI5, MI6. I think he is retired cuz mm-hmm. he gets he he is retired later anyway. But, like, he's retired from MI6, but he's still being followed by Spectre. So, like, uh, he's... I guess he makes it sort of his mission to, one, go into hiding, finally. And, like, to get rid of Spectre. So, like, mm-hmm. this movie, sort of the, the impetus of everything is he gets the opportunity to, like, go to a Spectre convention. And... Um, figure out what's going on and it turns out he's just being led into a trap to kill him, but the trap goes wrong and uh, James Bond survives, but Spectre does not. So, like, the very first thing that happens in this movie, and I guess this is spoilers, but I promise I won't make any more spoilers after this until we have like a proper spoiler warning, is like the entire thing of the last movie, the whole organization they set up, all day. That's the first thing that happens in this movie. And Mm -hmm. then, like, the rest of it is him getting together I me mean, him getting back together with mi6 including his replacement or his replacement 7 to um, I guess figure out what the heck just happened
1: yeah that's basically yeah
0: and like it seems again I haven't actually seen Specter so I don't know exactly how true this is but it seems like the main narrative point of this movie is is to kind of tie up loose ends from the last movie because okay you're shaking your head no No, so I, that's I'm, that's I know, know I
1: agree with you that's why I I'm, oh. I'm just kind of I'm sad that it tried that if that makes sense
0: okay because like the first half of this movie the main bad guy is the main bad guy from Spectre the second half of this movie the main bad guy is the guy they keep teasing in the in the trailers mm. so like it's definitely, this movie is definitely functioning more as a sequel to Spectre than anything else. Mm-hmm.
1: Surprisingly, considering having a Spectre. That's what, that was kind of a the problem I had with this movie is that I spent a lot of time focusing on, like you said, wrapping up some of the plot elements of Spectre and like almost trying to make it better in a way that it fails to be its own movie in a lot of ways and i think that Mm -hmm. um kind of drug it dragged it down a bit because it just felt a little unfocused if that makes sense
0: yeah and i think that it's unfocused in some like very key ways because the biggest problem with that that i have with this movie is that is like the two villains because like two villains is always a difficult thing to pull off like especially i mean the best the best um way i can talk about that is in the context of superhero movies like if you have two villains and they're both functioning as the main villain, then like they get in each other's w- they either get in each other's way or they don't get enough time to actually either of them be the main villain. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, we have like Blofeld from uh, from Spectre, who's like the big bad at first, and he's basically the only person they introduce Rami Malek's character er- fairly early on, but he doesn't Not really. really do anything
1: it's he's not that was when you say early i mean maybe relative to the movie but it was like an hour and a half in yeah it's it's early relative
0: to the movie but yeah an hour 15 minutes it's like the halfway point of the movie yeah and like they introduce him there and he doesn't even do anything yet like Mm -hmm. they set up a very very basic conflict that gets him active in the story while blofeld is still active and then once Blofeld is no longer active in the story, then he's the main bad guy, but he doesn't mean anything because he's never been built up. Yeah. So like he kind of feels like I'm sure the character is great and re- like at a I, I I'm sure that like when Kerry Fukunaga and Rami Malek were talking about the character and how he should play it, the character is super fascinating. The problem mm. is very little of that comes across in the movie.
1: So this character.
0: Yeah doesn't end up meaning very much
1: yeah i and will say that's a little sad the first couple of the first scene he's introduced and in, he was like he had a very good screen presence if that makes sense oh, and yeah. i was like instantly drawn in i was excited to see what the character had to offer and uh really didn't lead to much i think not enough screen well, time also, slash motivation or whatever
0: yeah another issue with um Rami Malek's villain character in this is most Bond villains, at least in the movies I have seen, like run their own organization. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That's just the kind of people that Bond goes up against is like, you know, Blofeld runs an entire counter spy agency basically. Yeah. Uh, and then mm-hmm. um, in other ones, like there's, there's the classic example. I can't think of who he is, which not what his name is. Actually, this might even be Blofeld again like in in an old Bond movie where he's got the laser and like he runs his whole organization and they have like death lasers that they can use on Bond. I don't know what they're doing, but it's probably world domination. There's another guy who like runs a space agent, like a covert space agency. That's all Moonraker. And like all of the bad guys are big honchos in their industry. And so by extension, I mean, Randy Malek doesn't have to be that, but his character just is that. He runs his own private island and he's got like hundreds of uh evil employees making poison all day which like i guess that's fine but the thing is the way that he's introduced and like his screen presence does not match that of a big head honcho like he's Mm -hmm. a very good individual he would be a very good like specific assassin like a dude who's very good at his job and he is the counter james bond Mm -hmm. and that's like what it seems like his character wants to be in a lot of aspects, but like, that's not realized at all. And it reminded me a lot of some of the stuff that I really liked in Skyfall because Javier Bardem's character in Skyfall is, I think the perfect, the perfect version of what Rami Malek's character here is trying to be because he actually does run his own private Island, but you don't see very many of his evil employees. And more importantly, like, everything that he does, he does basically by himself and it's, you know, comes out that he is by himself an incredibly formidable foe, which is what Rami Malek is supposed to be, but like, doesn't come across that way at all.
1: Yeah. Rami. Well, I guess they, they really like that James Bond foil where, well, I guess they're trying to make, they're always trying to make the main villain, at least from what I remember, like the past three, the main villain has something to do with personal with James Bond, right? Like, Mm -hmm. skyfall was he's like like the what javier bardem was like the initial james bond and then he was replaced sort of by m Um, and what
0: was interesting with that one is like he wasn't while he was the initial james bond as you say he like wasn't positioned in that movie as a foil to james bond mm -hmm. he was positioned as a foil to m which Mm -hmm. like he worked really well in that and like it made james bond not a supporting character but like it wasn't james bond fighting james bond it was james bond fighting his boss basically which was a lot more interesting
1: the sins of his boss's past which was cool Mm -hmm. yeah um and then the last one specter they had blofeld as like james james's half like, step-sibling or something like that. I don't, it was something weird. I don't even it, know. Dude. It
0: became even more confusing in this movie, where blood yeah. relations are actually important.
1: Yeah, and they're not blood-related, but they are related somehow. I don't know. I still don't understand Spectre. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then in this movie, it's Rami Malek knows, uh, has something to do with James Bond's... Uh, who's the love interest? What's her name? Lea character, who
0: madeline swan
1: madeline um he has something to do with madeline i i think that was a little weak for me though i i appreciate the that they are trying to make the villain personal but like it didn't really add anything to it for me personally
0: (laughs) and i have Um, to say also that madeline swan leia Sedu, uh madeline swan in this movie is a good character But she was built up in the last movie, and she's not built up at all in this movie, in my opinion. Like, coming into this movie having not seen Spectre, I did not care about Madeline Swan. Mm -hmm. Not because she didn't have a presence in this movie, but because I didn't know who she was. So every time James Bond, like, had her on screen, was with her on screen, it's like, this is, you know, you guys have great chemistry, but I don't know who this person is. I'm like by the end of the movie, I obviously knew who the person was, but she wasn't built up like at all in this. Well, yeah, you still
1: don't really she... know her. I just, yeah, I just see her and she's James Bond's love interest. She doesn't get much actual character screen time, mm-hmm. um, and a couple moments we do get with her kind of alone, it's like she doesn't really do anything. Um, well, like I think I thought the therapist moments... scene might have been a cool scene to like highlight what she's good at and her strengths and stuff, but. She's just she doesn't really do anything in that scene either.
0: Well, so many of her scenes that don't involve her and James Bond kind of boil down to, Oh, she's been cornered by a bad person. I guess yeah. she's going to have to do this person's bidding now, yeah. which is like, it makes her feel like a weak character. And I don't like that. Cause like it makes her feel like she is exclusively a plot device. Yeah. and it- If she's not intended to be, that's really a shame.
1: It was too bad, like, I remember Inspector too, they spent a lot of time making her, like, oh, she's not like other Bond women, she's, like, she doesn't, she's not into him, and Bond's finally, like, he's not going to end up with a girl he's really attracted to, Uh, and then she falls in love with it, like, head over heels over him for no reason and stuff, <laughs> and it was a little saddening, because, yeah, I think they, they, they keep kind of setting up a possibly interesting character, but then mm-hmm. they they fall for the classic Bond tropes of, oh, but she loves Bond, and that's, like, now that's all her character is at this point. So right, um, it's unfortunate. But, yeah. Uh, that's why I think Skyfall, well, Skyfall with M, like, I just love that because it, it wasn't so much about a, a loving relationship. Like, I guess a lot of these movies have been about it. was more about a, it was, like, a mother, like, it was, like, a familial relationship, if that makes sense. Like, M was kind of, like, his mother figure, Mm-hmm. in that movie i guess and i thought that added a lot because I, I think the love angle is played out because they did it in Spectre, they did it in this movie they did it in casino royale and i think they did it best by far in casino royale so like
0: well casino royale uh i haven't seen it in a while but casino royale in a, in almost all of the major plot beats follow the book and like i've i've read i read the book a long time ago And the love angle in the book is really, really, really well done. And it's, Mm. like, super tragic in the book. Mm. And it, you know, comes across the same in Casino Royale. Because they, like, they just take that part from the book. And it's really good.
1: Yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, they kind of peaked too early with the love interest stuff. And now it's not really the same. So... I mean, I I'm going to be
0: honest, they peaked too early because when you adapt Casino Royale and you adapt it as well as they did, yeah. you can't top that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually. I appreciate
0: that they tried.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess if we're talking about acting, who else do we got? We have Ralph Fiennes, who did a solid job. Always glad to see him back. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the little... It, it felt like almost familial to like their dynamic. It doesn't really come out as much later in the movie, but like the, the couple scenes they do have, it even though they're about the same age, I think it felt like it was like a father-son type thing. Um mm-hmm. who else? There was uh oh for Rami Malik we said was solid, but like this didn't get enough screen time. Uh Christoph Waltz, I was really happy I thought he did really well with what he was given. He wasn't given oh, much.
0: He was great in this movie. He has, like, my favorite scene in the whole movie, which isn't actually on him, but, like, he's he's in my favorite scene in the whole movie.
1: Yeah, um, and I thought, I, w- I was just really happy to see him, I guess, almost, it was almost, uh, like, redeeming himself. for Like, he didn't give a bad performance in Spectre, but his character was shafted really hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this was some kind of, redemption for that i guess because um, i haven't seen him in much lately and it makes me sad because he was on a really amazing streak for like a few years in the early 2000s or early 2010s yeah um,
0: I, I know he's got to be in something coming up let me uh
1: find out something. while you
0: while you continue uh, talking
1: the supporting cast was great i love i love seeing money penny uh I, th- I always thought her and bond had great chemistry and i'm really sad she doesn't get more because she was all like, she was in a lot of skyfall i think right
0: well and i think that money penny uh is um like from from earlier excuse me from earlier bond movies i think money penny is always positioned as like the serious love interest Mm. um because like bond always has his bond girl who's always a fling she's only there for the one movie but then money penny is like always there and she's the one that like is a Might. real love interest for Bond, but yeah. she's also never really much more than a very side supporting character.
1: Yeah, no, it's too big. Yeah, I I thought her and Daniel Craig had always had amazing chemistry, um, and I was really sad to see Inspector and in, in this one how she's a lot more sidelined. I guess, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I love Q in this movie. Uh, he's always great. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone big.
0: So. I don't think you've mentioned her yet, but I really liked in this movie, um, Lashana Lynch who plays Nomi or 007. 007. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought she did a really good job, especially as like, I think it was a very smart idea when you're writing a movie that is specifically about like, it's supposed to kind of function as the last James Bond adventure at least for a while, because it's like, he's old, he's coming out of retirement. He's not actually old, that old, but like, he's coming out of retirement, and like, he's having to deal with an MI6 that has moved on, and like, the best way to portray that is someone else who has a, like, the new 007, 007, and it's like, someone who is not anything like him at all. I mean, first off, she's a black woman, and he's a white man, so like, there's already that, just physically they're not the same, but also (laughs) she has a very, very different like, personality from him, even though she also has that, like, she's also kind of aggressive and forward, but in very different ways than he is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought that, I thought they had great chemistry first off, and like, I thought she was a really good character um, in her own scenes, and she gets a lot of them, because she's being set up as the new 007, whether or not she's ever in another movie after this. Cause it's hard to know where they'll go with the series after this. They could scrap everything and reboot entirely.
1: Yeah. I just, I I wish she had also had more screen time. Definitely. Um, And
0: I think the biggest, the only problem I have with her is by the end, she's also deferring to like a supporting character. I think there's a lot of places in this movie where like, I'm not, they could have done something really cool and they just kind of chicken out at the last moment. And mm-hmm. like it doesn't hurt the movie that much, but it always hurts the movie just a little bit. Because like, like you meant like you mentioned with Madeline Swan, apparently in the last movie, especially, she's like, she's like built up to be this cool character, but then at the end she just falls for bond anyway. Mm-hmm. And then with 007 here, Lashawna Lynch, she's like built up to be this really cool character, and she usually is, and then at the end, she's like. Actually, can James Bond be 007 again? Yeah. And then she, she like, she turns herself it. into a supporting character. Yeah. Like, she just defers to him, which is a little disappointing because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't want her to be the main character of this movie because she's not. But, like, just at the end, it seems like a cop out where she's like, actually, I'm going to let him have the rest of the screen time.
1: Yeah, especially out. because they were very competitive for a lot of the movie, right? I think that yeah. was a very fun dynamic that doesn't really mm-hmm. lead to anything. Um, well, and
0: it's completely absent at the end because she just pieces out.
1: Yeah. And it might have been cool to see, uh, like, it might have been cool from a character arc stance to see uh, James, like, I guess, be okay with letting someone else do some of the work, if that makes sense. Because he's always, like, very, yeah. I'm doing everything. But it would have been, like, I guess, very maturing to see him be like, okay, I'm going to trust you to do this. Uh, Yeah, the final,
0: to me, the final, uh, the final mission of this movie was like positioned to be something along the lines of like, now the two of them have to work together. And we're going to be mostly following James Bond, but they got to work together pretty equally because Mm -hmm. they're adults and they need to get along.
1: Yeah, but like the
0: way that it ended up being was like, yes, they have to work together. But it was always very clear who's the boss.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so a subtle a difference,
0: movie. but it makes a huge difference when you're watching it.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, um, Anna Diarmis was in this. I liked her for what she was in. She's, I guess, she just didn't have like. I think she's extremely charismatic in this role in her in her in her like two scenes that she was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, she doesn't really do anything necessary. And well, like, she's... I if I was direct, or if I was writing, I probably would have just cut her her role and given more screen time to 007 to fulfill that place in it
0: she's kind of a casualty of the fact that this movie feels like three tiny movies instead of one big coherent whole yeah because like she's in the part where blofeld is the bad guy and she's on the mission where they find out like where something goes wrong and then all of a sudden they have to confront blofeld but like she's only in it for that very small part of the mission, which is essentially two action scenes. And yeah. she's, you know, she has an introduction. She has like some fun chemistry with Bond. And then she has her action scene. And then she's never in it again.
1: Yeah. It was too bad. I think she probably had the best chemistry with Daniel Craig than as, yeah. than anyone else in the movie, honestly, like better yeah. than Leah Sidu probably. Um,
0: Acc- definitely.
1: Yeah. So it's like, it's a little unfortunate that, her role was relegated to that and she didn't get to do much. Um, Mm. So yeah, that was just kind of a weird scene that I think they just, they should have just cut her character out. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, I think just solid. I I like Jeffrey Wright. I don't know. yeah, (laughs) He's awesome. Um, So yeah. Uh, So like the acting was solid, I guess it's just like, like I said, there's just so many, they're balancing so many characters um, and it's already such a long movie too, that it felt really stretched. Uh, Like you said, it was almost like each act was felt like its own movie, which Mm -hmm. is good in a way, but also like It was kind of unnecessary because I think the first act and the second act together well. Yeah, and it didn't feel like it did. Um, Mm -hmm. The first act feels very different than the second act, Um, like in terms of story yeah uh, and then also all the acts are long in their own like too long in their own right, I guess.
0: And the, the third one for the third one in particular, drags like in mm-hmm. the first two the first two acts just kind of have unnecessary stuff that if it was up to me, I just would have paced it differently. But the third act is like they get to the island where they're, where the whole last bit is going to go down, and then like, it's so slow once they get there.
1: Yeah. And there wasn't really much tension in any of the scenes, like it's just a lot of shooting people and like not many emotions. Like there's the stakes there's... yeah. Sorry, go ahead. The stakes are Oh, I was
0: just gonna say the stakes like never really feel real until at one point they say, Let's bomb the island in ten minutes. And yeah. then it's like, Okay, sure. Yeah. Even then it took them twenty minutes to bomb the island. So like it's it's not like the stakes felt super high there yeah. either.
1: It was still weird. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, just, I guess that's maybe as a result of having four writers, I guess. Because so, it almost like there's, like, four different scripts going on mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. But, yeah, the story, like, I just didn't care enough about, like, the main villain's plotline. Like, his plan just felt weird and didn't add up to me. And, like, the his motivations, like I said, he didn't get enough screen time, so I just didn't care about the villain at all which was unfortunate mm-hmm. cuz I again I think Rami Malek could have owned chewed up a lot of scenery in oh, this yeah. movie if given the chance but he was not really he, given the chance.
0: He had a lot of really good very small moments. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene where he's kidnapped the child and the child like clearly doesn't want to be kidnapped by him anymore. So she's like resisting and she eventually like falls out of his arms. He's like, "You know what? If you don't want my protection, just leave see you later and she's like all right see ya and she that just leaves really- and he just walks
1: away that was such a weird like, scene i don't
0: i'm like this is a really cool character moment like this this says a lot about his character because like he took a hostage but he didn't actually care at all and just lets her leave
1: i mean but, like, it could have been a good character situation if it actually meant anything <laughs> it well, that's, that's anything. exactly
0: it that's a great character moment it just doesn't mean anything in any larger yeah. context
1: so, so instead, he just looks like a really stupid villain because he took his only like chance at like negotiating and like threw it out. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, I don't know. Very very odd. Oh, the villains, I guess. Yeah, Spectre and this one, they both had villains I was very excited for, and they don't do anything with them, um, which is unfortunate. So uh, yeah, I will say the, the like some of the action set pieces were really cool. There's one at, very, at the very start of the movie. It's shown a lot in the trailers. It's amazing. I really like that scene. It's really well-directed and paced really well and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, we came in late to the movie, but that was, like, the first scene we saw, basically. And I was, mm-hmm. like, into the movie, like, instantly it was after that. awesome. Yeah. Um, and
0: then, uh, as always, the title sequence is very good for this. It's mm. not the best title sequence of the Daniel Craig Bonds, but it is very good.
1: Yeah, I I had to miss it unfortunately, but I am excited to see it eventually.
0: It's probably on YouTube, honestly. Probably, they're very proud of those titles. That's
1: a good point. Um, Yeah, what did you think of the song?
0: The song? Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. But like, I actually do have some thoughts on that though. Like, the song is the song is fine. Uh, People will have heard most of the song already as our intro music for this episode because I'm not going to do a Bond episode and not use the Bond song. But like. Um, this song, it it was, it was okay. And it had like a pretty good title sequence, but like, I feel a little bad for Billie Eilish because in my opinion, while I was watching the movie, it was very clear to me which song Hans Zimmer liked the most because I kept hearing just like individual bars from Skyfall being put into the, into the like actual score of the movie And I did not, I don't think I heard that with, like, Billie Eilish bars. I could be wrong. I could be, I could have just, like, it's possible that I just don't remember the Billie Eilish song well enough to have recognized them. But, like, I kept hearing Skyfall, and that is, that's probably, that's probably the best bond, the best of the last five Bond songs anyway at least in my opinion. That
1: the most legend. And I think
0: Hans Zimmer song. likes that one too a lot.
1: Yeah, wait, did Hans Zimmer score this? Wait. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, Hans Zimmer didn't did the score.
1: That. It was I guess it didn't feel it was good but it wasn't like it didn't feel like Hans Zimmery. That yeah, cuz
0: Hans Zimmer kind of has his own style, but Bond also has its own style. Mm. And like when you're the Bond composer, they hired Hans Zimmer because they wanted Hans Zimmer but they didn't want Hans Zimmer to not do Bond either.
1: Yeah, this might have felt like a movie where Hans Zimmer... Because Hans Zimmer does this a lot now where he'll just hand off some projects to other people. And like it mm-hmm. will have a stamp of approval and he'll like go over it and stuff and fix it up. But it like, doesn't necessarily mean he was hands-on in this movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because when he's, on, when he's on a movie, you can tell like, it, he really transforms a movie that way. Um, but yeah, this mm-hmm. one, it didn't the the score didn't really feel necessary, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: I As thought it was he, very good. Like, it was a very good Bond score.
1: Yeah, it was good. It just wasn't like, didn't feel like an amazing Hans Zimmer score, if that makes sense.
0: Sure, sure. It's not one of Hans Zimmer's best, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, Hans Zimmer's, Hans Zimmer's best is like, he's got, he's got some, some of the best pretty, pretty tough competition. Teams. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, the cinematography was solid. I think it's... We were talking about this earlier too, but it's tough because I think Skyfall is one of the prettiest movies I've seen. Uh, like, a blockbuster... It's probably one of the prettiest blockbuster movie I can think of off the top of my head. Like, it's a very good-looking movie. Uh-huh. Um, Spectre was also very well shot. I'm a big fan of the cinematographer uh, from Spectre. Hoyt, Van Hoytuma, who did like Interstellar. Um, and I think Tenet, too. Uh, and dunkirk like he's he's a nolan guy Um, so
0: yeah and with this movie so the the cinematographer for this movie was linus sandgren who i am not familiar with um but also i know that Kerry fukunaga has a lot of experience as a cinematographer he was not the cinematographer for this movie um but like that definitely comes across because I think there's some scenes in this, like there are some incredible shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. The problem is there's some, it's not like every shot is incredible. This is not one of the prettiest Bond movies. There is. Cause there's a lot of like, there's honestly kind of a lot of boring shots. Like we were talking about this earlier. There's a lot of like shot reverse shot and it's just, you know, it's
1: very basic. It's not
0: super inspired even if there is, like, a little bit going on with the framing. Mm -hmm. But then there's my favorite scene of the whole movie, which is they're interrogating Blofeld, and they keep Blofeld in a cage in a jail, and, like, there's a little hallway that the cage can pass through that is exactly as big as the cage. So, like, what they do is they come into Blofeld's room, they, like, press the button... And the revolving like the revolving uh, marionette or whatever of cages like swings around and then Blofeld's cage is in front of the hallway and it starts coming up the hallway and it is the most menacing thing I have seen this year. And like the way that the sound design for that is done and the way that that's blocked out, it's like literally all it is, is a cage traveling up a hallway and it is menacing. It's incredible. That yeah. is my favorite scene of this movie. Is just the like twenty seconds where Blofeld's cage is traveling up the hallway.
1: Well, that wasn't and that's even where I just can see
0: little. Sorry, that was
1: like editing too. Editing and music. Had oh a lot yeah, playing that as well.
0: Yeah, but that is like in the past we've talked a lot about Kari Fukunaga as a director, despite never actually talking about a Kari Fukunaga directed movie on this podcast <laughs> yet. Yeah. Um, but like, that's what I really like about him is he has these like. He'll have a lot of moments where it's it's just it's like kind of simple when you look at it, but but like due to the like directing choices as well as like his ed- well his editors and sound and sound people. Like I'm not gonna say they're not a part of it because they're like in- instrumental. He ends up making these like extremely surreal environments, even in like very grounded movies. Because this had a lot of like surreal moments not i wouldn't call this surrealist anywhere in the movie really Mm. but there's a lot of moments where it's like i don't know something very simple is happening but just because of the choices that are made in like putting that on screen it comes across with like a completely weird context that you would never get from any other director
1: yeah Uh, that does show some of his like raw raw talent Mm-hmm. Um, even in such a big movie. But yeah, I guess I'm just, I, I'm kind of disappointed overall. I think I had a lot of faith in Carrie <laughs> Um I don't think this wasn't like an amazing movie though, and I was really hoping it would be. I think it had the elements of a mm-hmm. possibly amazing movie in there, but like it was too diluted amongst everything.
0: I mean,. Daniel Craig is great as Bond and Daniel Craig's Bond movies in general are much more good than they are bad. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, there's, there's Casino Royale, which is amazing. Skyfall, which is fantastic. And then uh, I would put this as the third best of the ones I've seen, but the only other one I've seen is Quantum of Solace, which I do not remember. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but like overall they tried with this bond to do like a reboot of the universe. And they tried to make it a lot more cohesive than previous Bond movies. And I think it was a really valiant effort and it was a cool thing that they did. And I think that overall the movies ended up kind of hurting for it. Yeah, definitely. This movie, a lot of the problems with this movie are that it's trying to be an end to a universe that like is already kind of a mess (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like. I never really cared about the continuity between the Daniel Craig James Bond films. I I think it's cute to have little hints, like we mm-hmm. had a Vesper hint, uh, or like I guess tease, not tease, but like it was like a little touch of like sentimentality that took us back to like the first Bond, uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Craig Bond movie. But like, I don't need more than that. I didn't need like Inspector. They forced. They really forced a way to tie everything together saying it was always specter all along and it mm-hmm. just felt really stupid and also makes the movies worse as a result because you're like oh this villain wasn't actually that important because he was just taking orders if that makes sense mm-hmm. um it's it's like they're yeah it's trying to be an ending for something that wasn't never really needed a, an ending ending so uh i think that, oh, that does drag uh... it down
0: I was just very briefly distracted because I have I have Wikipedia open on the other screen here. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just very briefly distracted by a plot summary of the one scene we missed. It's the backstory oh, this- for Rami Malek's character, and it includes the trailer shot that we were that you were complaining about earlier.
1: Oh, I see. Where he's like, I'm guessing he's killing someone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So
0: yeah. So we. That's. That's where all of that was. It's the one scene we missed.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that would have added much to. Me. <laughs> um,
0: I think it would have added a little bit. Like, I definitely feel like that scene would have made it so that Rami Malek's character didn't seem as out of nowhere as he ended up seeming. Mm. But like, it it doesn't fix the fact that he still had very little to do.
1: Yeah, that's fair. It didn't. Yeah. It was, like... It was really... I think... I want to say he had, like, maybe four scenes in the whole movie. Maybe 5 mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I mean, I think he had more, but, like, you're right. There you're really right. weren't many.
1: Yeah. Anyways. Um, I don't know. What what would you rate the final Bond movie? Or final Daniel Craig Bond movie on 25? the Time to Die.
0: I'm probably going to put it at like, a strong six mm. out of ten. Like... I liked, I liked pretty much all the performances. Um, I liked the directing. I thought that there were moments in this movie of, like, real brilliance. But overall, it was just kind of, like... I mean, I don't know that I'd be super eager to go watch this one again. I it, Unless I'm, like, rewatching all the Daniel Craig Bonds, and then I will watch it at the end of that, I guess. But, like... Mm-hmm with Casino Royale I was like wow I got to see that again with Skyfall I'm like that's pretty good I kind of want to see that again and I definitely like watched the opening title crawl like uh, opening title sequence many times mm. and with this one like I I probably will see it again but like probably not in theaters and I'm also not like I need to see this cuz now I've seen it and like eh, it didn't leave much of an impression so i put it like a strong six. It is generally good, but like, it's nothing special.
1: Yeah, I'll go with probably a seven. I agree. Like, I think, I, I, I'm really happy, I guess, this movie exists just as like an ending. Mm-hmm. Kind of to, it feels like a very good, fair. like, Spectre was was going to be an ending for Daniel Craig. I didn't love it. I think it really ruined it. Um, I think this will leave like a solid stamp on like his legacy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what, it being a good ending kind of boosted up like a little bit for me, like kind of like yeah. end game, like where it was like a solid ending. Uh, I don't think it's an amazing movie. I just think it's a solid movie, uh, mm-hmm. that could have been improved a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't, I guess I don't really, I didn't, I liked it when I watched it. I wouldn't leap at the chance to watch this again. Um, i might be yeah you're i might be curious to watch it if i was watching like all five in a row or something like that
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: but yeah it's 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 all right it's it's a solid good movie um i think i'm a little hurt yeah because i expected an amazing movie i guess and uh, yeah yeah but that's the way it goes um yeah
0: so all right uh so this has been our one episode in October, I think, that's like not about a scary movie, at least not an explicitly scary movie. So we're gonna we're gonna fix that. Next week is gonna be our Halloween episode, and we're gonna talk about uh, we're probably gonna talk about Halloween. I guess we haven't locked that in yet, but like it's it's gonna be Halloween because we got another one coming out.
1: Yeah, the was, is it Halloween Returns?
0: No, it's Halloween Kills.
1: Halloween Kills, like you never is, did before.
0: <laughs> well, it's a it's a dumb name. It's a really dumb name. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's Green Venice. Movie. And, like, we'll see. I, yeah. I liked the first Halloween. I thought uh, there's a really good...
1: The reboot first or the first, yeah, first yeah. Halloween? Well, oh, the,
0: okay. the very first Halloween is the best one, in my mm. opinion. But, like, the, the reboot one, I liked it a lot. There is a good... Uh, there's a good YouTube video by your movie sucks about it though, about like its biggest problem is that it's kind of chicken shit about its own ideas. Like it doesn't trust any, it doesn't trust its audience to just like see someone be evil and not get grossed out. Cause like there's a scene, there's a scene in the first Halloween movie where, or in the reboot Halloween movie where Michael Myers is about to kill a baby and then he doesn't. Hmm. And like, in character, there is no reason for this. Mm. But, like, at a filmmaking perspective, it's because the director didn't want to show Michael Myers killing a baby. And it's like, yeah. why
1: not? He's supposed
0: to be evil in Myers. Is
1: supposed to kill everyone, yeah.
0: Anyway, we'll talk more about that next week when we talk about Halloween 2, Halloween Kills. Wow. Which I guess is, like, Halloween 5 or something.
1: Yeah, it's, like, a lot at this point. Um, Alright, what's look, the last word? Oh, man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> time.